the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when Banshee's around. Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint at things to come. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be or weird. You could, but it that would be, be weird. Answer. But giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and 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 very kind. This is the Power of X Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience. I am so excited to talk about episode six of Wandavision. But I'm even more excited to talk about it with our guest today. Our returning guest host who has 2020 vision on all things witches. It's nightfall. You know, they say 2020 is perfect vision. Wanda, this vision is falling apart. <laughs> the vision is busting out, it seems, for the first time ever. I am so excited to introduce my dear friends who I have been dying to have on this podcast ever since I listened to their own podcast. It's Alicia and Justin from The Ex-Wife. Hello. We're so so excited. excited. Happy to be here. A married couple geeking out over X-Men together. Is this a resurrection of your love or a complete inferno? It's going going well for now. We'll see. No no mailboxes eating people so far. So I think we're on the positive side. I don't know what those references mean. (laughs) (laughs) One day. (laughs) Alicia, you are diving into the world of X-Men and you weren't a fan before. Am I getting that correct? So I wasn't a comics fan before. I never read a comic but as far as like Marvel and the MCU and X-Men movies and things in the nerd world, I'm not new to that. That is longstanding. But I never read an actual comic. So there was a lot about um, the universe that I just didn't know. And Justin would, you know, throw nuggets of knowledge at me when we were watching things or talking about something. He'd be like, well, it relates to this in the comics. But basically just rambling to myself out loud. Yeah. But this this past few months has been my first venture into the books themselves. Mm, Yeah, that's how I found you guys, because when I first started this podcast, I was looking at other podcasts and what drew me to you guys was one, your slogan. And wait, I wanted one man's quest to get his wife. Wait, I almost have it. One man's elaborate scheme to get his wife into X-Men comics. Okay. That's working. That's working. That's working because you started off with House of X, oh, yeah. which was a huge crossover. And I like the second I was sold on the podcast was hearing Justin reiterate some of the lines from the, <laughs> the book. And I think this was later on, but when you did the scene with Moira yeah. and Destiny and Mystique, your reading of that, I got chills. Like I was, the elevator in my building is busted. I'm going up 13 flights of steps and I'm just hearing you talking about, you know, the scene. And then you just bust out those lines. And I'm like, 
I could listen to this man narrate an audiobook. <laughs> right? Ooh. He's got a magical voice. That could be cool. <laughs> So guys, we're going to dive into WandaVision episode six a little later on because I want to interview our guests about the world of mutants. Alicia, you know, this is your, you're, you're diving deep here into the X-Men and what's one word to describe the X-Men for you? Complicated. <laughs> Complicated. Understatement. I think, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I feel like that's why you need to have a, an elaborate scheme to get someone fully caught up. Because I, uh, I have been saying to Justin that I also need our podcast. So I will rec- we'll record the episode. And then sometimes I read the comic itself after we record the episode. And then I listen to our episode. And then I understand. <laughs> You seem to have a really good understanding, though. Which which episode did you guys do recently? I think it was the election episode where you went through all of the candidates. And, Leisha, you sounded – you were boom, boom, boom right there. Oh, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, once something sticks in my brain, it doesn't really leave. And I enjoy picking things apart, so I pay attention to the small details. Um, Yeah, I think – but. She's got a really good grasp on character and narrative structures too. So kind of approaching it from that background of really getting into nerd worlds through books. Yeah, that was always, okay. So in history class in like high school or whatever, I would be able to tell you if an if there was an essay question, like tell me what happened in this battle. I could tell you like who was there, what happened, who did what to who. I could give you the whole story. But if you said to me, where did it take place? Or what date did it happen on? fail i don't know <laughs> so like a lot of times justin will refer to like the name of when we were doing um house of x powers of 10 he would be like house of x number three and i would be like don't know what are you talking about but storyline point got it i'm in nightfall i don't know if you saw this video that they posted on their youtube channel but we guest starred on it and they had a dry erase board with the entire lives of moira x and like (laughs) literally stringing everything together i i was gagging when i i walked into this room one day and she was just i ended the work day walked into the room the door was kind of closed and she was spread out all over this this table with various issues and note cards and this big board. And I just looked at her and was like, uh, babe, are you all right? No. <laughs> she looks up, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't add up. So what you're telling me is she's literally the embodiment of that Charlie meme from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's my real life. I don't know this Charlie meme. <laughs> it's like, it, it, you'll see it. I don't know if you've ever watched It's Always Sunny, but it's just him like pointing to like, uh, like a board that has all these red strings and he's like trying to make sense of everything. Yeah. It's like any time there's a conspiracy theory or someone trying to make sense of all the dots, it's always used and they like put little things in there. <laughs> it's Just really replace funny. him with me and yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there you go. <laughs> well, you're already an internet sensation, Alicia. So I heart you so much. Listeners, I'm literally always DMing these two, like every time they post something. And if you're familiar with our Instagram, you know, I'm always regramming them. So follow them. They have such an infectious energy and their podcast is next level. Thank you so much. Super I nice. feel like if, if, 
if you didn't say something to us over like a day or two, I would get nervous and I would start contacting <laughs> you. Where are you? Are you okay? I miss you. Oh, stop. Uh, I love our ex family that we've created, especially during this pandemic where a lot of people are feeling so alone. And that was the purpose of starting this podcast was to be like a hub or like a chat room for for a community that could be a little displaced. Like we're all on pause in real life. So it's so great to like make new friends. Yes, for sure. Justin, I'm curious, what's your like first early memory of the X-Men? How did you come to be the stand you are today? Yeah, uh, I owe a lot of it to my godfather, my uncle, who was a huge comic collector back when he was a kid. He had all sorts of back issues. He even has the story of my grandmother, his mom throwing out or getting rid of a number of his now really valuable comics. And when I was a kid, I would go over their house for holidays and stuff. And he would just bring out this giant tote of comics and we would just go through all these different back issues. And I had really no idea who these characters were, or what was going on, but just diving in with someone that had that knowledge was probably kind of the first inspirations of what, what we do. Yeah. And then, and then nerding out on the animated show, obviously. <laughs> I, you know, we've had Regina from the House of X podcast on here, and she mentioned a similar story that she found her dad's box of comics. And Nightfall, I feel you're also a legacy fan because you inherited a lot of my comic books, which were all like Nate Gray <laughs> and Onslaught. Oh, it was very one-sided in terms of what I was exposed <laughs> to and what I got into. That's why, like, when I first joined, I was, like, literally Wanda, Jean Grey, Matt, yeah. and the Phoenix, Madeline Pryor, and Emma Frost, like, all these individuals that, you know, we talked about and we laughed about all the time. And we would quote all the memes from the, the animated show, too. I mean, I remember you literally had the quintessential, like, stacks of comics i think in your closet or something there was somewhere where it was like if i knocked it over it would just go everywhere That's well like it, it wasn't my closet it was your closet too we shared a room <laughs> well, well when we renovated i thought it was also in there too oh yeah yeah they got all, you had all the vhs's yeah. you had all the you know like everything there oh that okay. was that was a time but I love that so many of the people we talk to, a lot of our guests, especially people who are part of the community we're part of, are legacy fans. Like they inherited this passion for comic books from someone else. Alicia, how, how was it inheriting it from Justin? And, and why now are we, are we diving in to, to the wonderful world of Marvel's Merry Mutants? So I feel like... It's always been sort of in in the background or a thing that comes up literally, <laughs> quite literally in the background. Um, it comes up all the time, you know, like Justin would read a comic and he would want to talk about it. And I would try to converse with him, but I didn't really have anything to add to the conversation. I was just like, yes, okay, let it out, babe. But as far as why we started when we started I had started a conversation with a friend about potentially starting a podcast it was you know the beginning of quarantine and the pandemic and I was just like itching for a creative outlet something to do and she actually was the one who was like hey do you want to start a podcast and I was like yep and we started like going through the motions but it didn't quite work out we couldn't figure out like what exactly it was we wanted to do so we were like we'll put that on hold and then Justin was like 
Hey, I, let me, let me monopolize on this opportunity because I want to talk to someone about all of these issues. I want to find an excuse to get Alicia into comics so she can read them so we can nerd out about them together. So he was like, well, since that's not going forward, what if we start a podcast? And the only reason I never did it before, I never got into the comics before was because I just didn't, I, I didn't find comics super appealing as a medium to read, to be entertained by. I was just like, I want to watch the movies. I like reading books. Um, And so I wasn't really into it in that level. And then Justin was like, what if I just explain to you what's happening and we talk about it? And I was like, all right, I can get down with that because I don't actually have to do any work. Like I just have to show up at the day we're recording the podcast and look at the pictures and say all the things that pop into my head. So great, let's do it. Three months later. (laughs) Right. But then... Um, you know, the nature of how invested in things I become, I was wanting more answers and more details that I couldn't just get out of a quick conversation about the comics. So now I read them, but I'm not caught up yet. Still and, years and behind. Adding in some strategic breadcrumbs of leaving certain issues in certain places, buying certain presents <laughs> to facilitate these things. Oh, hey, do you want to open this action figure that relates to what we were just talking about? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, he'll get a wave of action figures and I'll be like, "Mm, can I open that one? (laughs) Can I open that one? Elaborate scheme. (laughs) Elaborate scheme. Wait, Justin, have you gotten the new X-Men Legends in yet? Oh no, not yet. Um, They they should be coming in soon. I just got in a couple of from... Spider-Verse? Yeah, the Spider-Verse, the stilt man. Oh, those those are nice. I'm I'm dying for those. Justin, I want to ask you a question. What's the one thing you've learned about Alicia as she's sort of nosedived into the comics? Like what has she surprised you? Yeah, uh, it was the level at which she <laughs> took to it in like an obsessive kind of way, in a good obsessive kind of way. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I was looking for that. I it's just, you know, the plan worked too well (laughs) (laughs) Um, she just kind of she took it and ran with it i i you know tempered some fear slash excitement when i walked into this room to find her on her moira board but it was just adds to the conversation that she wants to know more and i think you know definitely the the inability to deal with dangling plot threads. Oh God, uh, I hate it so much. Oh. I, oh, when I introduce a story, but we don't get the full story, she's furious. And so I, just, I can see it in your face right now. It's literally my least favorite thing. I don't know if, if any of, if you guys have listened to the days of future past episodes that we've done recently, but I just, we've been doing these things where Justin will talk about seminal moments. So he'll give us like key points. And Mm -hmm. when the key point is over, I'm like, but what what happens happens in the rest of the story arc? Like you just gave me the, this is the, this is the important quote unquote important nugget. And I'm like, okay, but tell me more. And you know, Justin's very valid argument is that there's over 60 years of material and he can't just like explain it all to me in one sitting, but I want (laughs) him to, or you two or someone, anyone. 
Well, you can always DM me because I'm up at like four in the morning, like on, on uncannyxmen.net reading like issue summaries and everything. But you know what I love about what you just said now? It's that curiosity. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I had when I first got those Fleer Ultra cards back in like 1993, 1994. And I held like a card and I read a small little bio and I had so many questions and I was so frustrated by the lack of answers I had in that moment that I had to go seek those answers. I had to go pull that thread of curiosity just so I can unravel who Rogue was. Like I I say this all the time. Her name was unrevealed. How is someone's name not revealed? I couldn't understand that in like my 10 year old brain. Yeah. I was like, she has to have a name. Everyone has a name. And that's sort of where I, it snowballed for me. And I just, I love seeing that in other fans. I feel like that kind of connects to your point about the legacy fans. You have that, that, that person that's willing to take that time and explain and share with you this thing that they love. And just hopefully that, that curiosity takes hold and you can just, yeah, keep on going from there. And I will say that I'm lucky to have, like entered the conversation when I did, because a lot of the questions that I want answers to, I can go back and find them. Whereas like y'all had to wait for them to come out week by week, month by month. Even more. I can basically binge. I can even, binge. The yeah, episode. you can binge, but even more nefarious than that. Kids these days, they have it so lucky with the internet and Wikipedia. You did not have that. Like I'm forgetting who no. it was. Like one of the characters from like generation X, like Husk. I had no idea who Paige Guthrie was in that first, you know, issue. There was no real context for me. And I knew so much about Cannonball. And now, of course, you can just go on the internet, type in Paige Guthrie wiki and and boom, there you go. But like at the time, you're like, who is this character? Is she new? Is she, you know, you had all these like questions and it was so difficult. But there's so many, like there's decades worth of stories. Alicia, is there a particular story that you're dying to read, but haven't had the chance to read yet, or you're going to get to it yet? Yes. Yes. I want to know anything and everything about Storm. I want to know her backstory. I want to know. We we started watching uh, the animated series and we've like gone back and forth, but like I'm dying to know what's up with her claustrophobia. I want to know everything about her, just like every story that tells me her origins or her backstory. Give to me. I love Storm so much. She has a mini series. Ryan, you may have remembered it because I'm sorry, Nightfall. Nightfall, you may have remembered it because it's where she has her like little bob with like the long hair in the front that I was obsessed with back in like 1997 when you were still in diapers. But (laughs) Ryan and things I didn't have a chance, by the way, you know, legacy fans always have a chance. They're like, oh, when he starts reading, when they start doing this, I literally was in the womb and Dayspring was like, here, and I'm going to read you the, this version, and I'm going to tell you why Jean Grey is the best X-Men ever. Don't worry, our future kids will live that same life. <laughs> That's I indoctrinated you early. I'm sorry. I didn't give you a chance. Very early on. Yeah, you did not have a chance at all. But it was fun because we bonded. That was something that like you and I could sit down. Not only did we do comic books, we did video games. We did anime. Like I would be calling San Francisco and trying to get a hold of Sailor Moon VHSs, which were impossible to get in like 1998. And you'd be on my lap. (laughs) One of my favorite things that we did when we lived together in New York was going to literally 
every Target in the area, in the vicinity for, was it Danny Moonstar at the time or was it someone else? No, Danny Moonstar was after you left. It was the return of Marvel Legends. Justin, I, I don't know if you remember when they they kind of like took, they didn't really take a break, but like legends were very scarce for a few years. And then they came back with like the Hope Summers wave, yeah. you know, Thor was in there. So we at the time thought Hope would be Jean Grey reincarnated. So mm-hmm. we were, I'm, I hope that's not a spoiler, Alicia. <laughs> at this point, I kind of like, it's not that I get upset about spoilers anymore i'm just like okay like file that in your brain pocket but like kind of forget you heard it you know (laughs) it's it's inevitable it's all it's inevitable well guys we are here to talk about the great pretender (sighs) wanda maximoff and listeners if you're not watching this on youtube alicia is in casual wanda gear which is this fabulous leather jacket and like a red. Oh, I got a leotard, you know? Oh, it's a leotard. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Black leggings. Look at. She came prepared. All the gay ex stands are just going right now. (laughs) This is what TikTok has done to me, people. This is what TikTok has done to me. Okay. This outfit came from making a TikTok. And now it just sits in my cosplay closet as casual Wanda. Hold up. Did you just give us a spoiler on your TikTok? Are we going to get a casual Wanda TikTok sometime in the next 48 hours? You might be getting like a um, Marvel Outfits TikTok. (laughs) I can't wait. Your Peggy Carter one was so, oh oh my God. She's been working on that for a couple of years. I have been building that Peggy Carter costume. And I didn't know until you posted, you know, that the meme that's going around about post your top five, you know, favorite Marvel characters. I didn't know Peggy Carter was your number one. You know what? I said to Justin after I posted it, I was like, I think I lied about who my number one is. (laughs) I think Loki might be my number one. I think I was just unsure about putting him at the top. I love Loki. I I love love Loki Loki so much. I love Loki so much. But Peggy is like, she's easily number two. I just think she's just... She's just so amazing, and I just want to be her. I love Peggy Carter so much. Her. I the end of Endgame. Wait, are you caught up with the MCU movies? Oh my goodness, yes. Okay, <laughs> the end of Endgame. Like I was like ugly crying in the theater, yeah. and I don't cry. Yes, because as it should be. As it should be. So the Great Pretender. Yes. Now Nightfall and I are huge Wanda stands. I'm don't curious. You don't you Wanda? Do you know our Wanda song? <laughs> Yeah. That's okay. amazing. Wait, you need to make that you need to make that into a TikTok. Send me that sound. We will we will make this a thing. Catch on. Come on. I know. I gotta get with it. I gotta get with it. So tell us, both of you, your feels on Wanda Maximoff. Oh my god. Do you wanna go first? Sure. I mean comic comic movie both. We General thoughts. I, you know, in my head, I kind of let it all bleed together. But of course, there is a difference. But, you know, if you want to differentiate, go right ahead. Yeah, I I really have always liked the character Wanda Maximoff. I think that uh, Elizabeth Olsen is doing a really great job. I love her. In the range that she's able to do, especially through this show. Uh, It's really kind of put her out there as this really talented actress that can do all of these things. I think that... As a character, she is really interesting. I think 
that you know you were calling her the pretender i got i got problems with that you know she is magneto's <laughs> child she is uh, that's where know. my head canon is yeah. she is still magneto's daughter and you know yeah, you think about the amount of the amount of stuff that she's gone through the amount of manipulation that has happened to her that has really led to a lot of the things that calls her the pretender i i don't i don't subscribe to that you know she is she is a hero yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I love her. I think she's fierce. She's so strong and so powerful. And I I love that a lot of people are talking about now or like people talk about how she is the strongest Avenger. She it she could have taken out Thanos in an, in an instant by herself. And I think there's a lot of moments in the films that I look at her and I'm just like, oh my God, she's amazing. And like, we're just tapping into like what she can do. And I'm really excited about like what the next step is for her. I think she's really interesting in that she's dealt with a lot of trauma and a lot of loss and how she handles that and how it plays into her relationships with other people is really interesting. I think she's a very complicated character and she's also a badass. So her parents died She's, you know, taken in by Hydra, experimented oh, Hydra. on, like, <laughs> she yeah. joins the Avengers, her brother dies, then civil war happens where she accidentally blows up a building, kills innocent people, and then she's incarcerated, she gets out, she has to kill her lover, the one person who's made her happy, then she herself dies, and then she has to come back, and everyone around her comes back except for her brother and her dead lover. I'm Team Wanda on the trauma. She's had to deal with a lot. Yeah. And for me, it's so... I understand, you know, rights and royalties and blah, 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 why she is or is not a mutant in the MCU, but... She and Magneto have a lot in common as far as like dealing with this, am I a good guy? Am I a bad guy kind of thing? You know, it's like there's a lot put on them that everything that you do, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad guy. But her motivations are pure. You know, they're Mm. they're for she has good intentions. Um, So and especially with this show, there's just so many there's so many things where you just, you feel for her. And when she does things like step out of the, the hex and tell you who means business, like you, you should be afraid of her because she's amazing. Well, and that's, you know, it's taken me being an adult to understand that Magneto has always been right. Right. And he had at the time when I was growing up, it was supposed to be a radical ideology and there's yet, nothing radical about what he's preaching. He doesn't want to be part of the human government who would enslave his people. He wants to burn the institution down and reform society to integrate mutants, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, you look at Xavier and Xavier's like, no, let's hide out in our little school here and we can't scare people. And it's, Jean said this during new X-Men, she goes, I really don't care if the Republicans are afraid of our glowing eyes. Hmm. And you're like, yeah, that's a stand Xavier should have taken. And Magneto isn't necessarily wrong. And when we spoke with the Lee Waltz a couple months ago, the reason why they waited to introduce Magneto in the animated series, I don't know how far along you guys are, but Magneto comes in like, you know, a couple episodes yeah. into season one. 
you they, they purposely had him come in at that point so you can see another perspective on the fight for equality and that magneto may not be wrong oh, you know he's not. yeah and i agree with wanda you see that what she's doing and i think we see it in this episode it's very complicated and she is a morally gray character but she's a very human character Mm -hmm. you can understand her reasoning and her motives behind something and i think that's part of why the show is so successful so before we dive into the actual recap just one final question for both of you yes what are your feels on wandavision as a whole it just keeps on it just keeps on getting better and better i just think that you know i uh i've had to not go on the internet now on fridays because of spoilers and just wanting to be able to get done with work watch the show and then let's let's look at all the things let's let's theorize let's break down stuff let's yeah. cry let's, let's cry let's scream let's throw things at the tv let's pause the tv i love it i love it so much and i think it is partially because it really plays into um my crazy and <laughs> my want to just like pick every little thing apart so we always do um, a watch for fun, like a just sit back, watch the show. And then we do a, okay, watch for notes. And, you know, like I have a spreadsheet on my computer and I write down like literally everything I'm thinking during the show. And then we go back, we pause the show. So like the second time I watch the show, I'm not even watching the, sh- the actors. I'm watching the background oh, yeah. and like, what's what's written on street signs what time are on the clocks like what's what are people wear like this one was a halloween one so i'm like what are you wearing what is what is your costume what is your costume what does that costume what mean? does it mean to the point where i you know that i've we've talked about me and my tiktok so i've like the, the tiktok community is like all about this and they will just post like theory after theory after theory to the point where this one this one kid posted a TikTok where he was like, it was basically like how my, the rest of my family sees me versus WandaVision. And I was like, this is my life. I relate to you. He has his like crazy whiteboard with all his strings. He's going back and forth with someone. And then he says, and then in the last 30 seconds of the credit, there's an anagram that spells Mephisto. And I literally commented. I was like, please tell me more about this. And Justin's like, I think he's kidding. And I was like, what? I need to know, like, I already we went watched, back. We watched the we watched credits. the ending. We picked it apart. The kid commented back. He was like, I just made that part up for the TikTok. <laughs> and I was like, oh. All right. All right. God. Can't believe everything on the internet. So, I mean, overall, like, the show itself, too, is really well written. And um, Elizabeth them. Olsen is just like, she yeah. just blows my mind with her range. And it just keeps getting better. I enjoy it from every aspect of like the fun watch to the like crazy analysis. There's just so much mystery around it too. Yeah. You know, they'll answer some questions or move forward some ideas, but then you've got five or six new a- questions for every answer you got. There's just so much of the bigger story that we don't know. And every time you think you know something. You don't. You don't. You know nothing. You know nothing. Yeah. I... Nightfall, and I, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. I didn't think going into WandaVision that they were going to be so rich with Easter eggs mm. and references. Literally every scene, there is something. Mm. There is a homage to something. There's an Easter egg. It's something that's advancing the plot. Mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't believe when we sit down and we write our notes and we kind of recap, it's exactly what you guys said. You have one watch, which is just for fun. And then the second is like writing down all these notes. 
and it is exhausting. I thought Ten of Swords was exhausting to cover. This is like every frame you're freezing in, you're looking like, what did they say? But yeah, this episode in particular, Nightfall, do you want to guide us through this recap? Sure, absolutely. We open up to a classic Malcolm in the Middle inspired opening of the happy family as they gear up for a holiday special, an all new Halloween spooktacular. The twins are excited to celebrate Halloween and even more so excited to spend time with their newly discovered uncle Pietro Maximoff, recasted by Evan Peters' character from the X-Men movie series. As the twins and Pietro play and banter with one another, the roughhousing is interrupted as a Sokovian fortune teller by the name of Wanda greets them in her Halloween costume. Vision shortly greets them in his Halloween costume, Mexican wrestler. He proclaims he's a part of the neighborhood watch for tonight, which upsets Wanda as that's not what he's supposed to do. But as we saw in last week's episode, Wanda's magic touch just can't control Vision. And so he ventures off as Pietro steps in to be the father figure, thanks to his self-proclaimed XY chromosome. Wink, wink. Back in the real world, Hayward plans his next steps to help handle Wanda, much to the disapproval of Monica, who adamantly is defending Wanda claiming she is the solution to the problem that S.W.O.R.D. finds themselves in. Hayward rebuttals, claiming those that blipped have the blessing of ignorance with their optimism, as he was one of the many left to pick up the pieces of those who left. After a few snarky remarks, Hayward has the golden trio, Jimmy, Darcy, and Monica escorted out of the base. Jimmy finally utilizing his screen time for some good beats the crap out of the guards with Monica, and they follow through with their own plan. Returning to the spooky, ooky 90s sitcom world, we see Wanda, Pietro, and the twins out as the streets, out on the streets, surrounded by various individuals in costumes celebrating Halloween. The twins go to gather candy as Wanda presses Pietro about him not looking like himself. Before Wanda can pry for more information, Pietro takes the twins on a rampage through the town, hijinks ensuing on the unsuspecting town folk. Much to the trouble of the real neighborhood watch, Herb, who admits to Wanda that Vision isn't participating tonight. We then see Vision exploring farther reaches of the town to see the citizens acting bizarre. Some glitching, some repeating the same actions as if they're in a loop and even being frozen in place. Before we can get to the bottom of this, we're we're interrupting our fabulous broadcast to bring you Yo Magic, the snack for survivors. Another eerie commercial with some subtle nuances to the trauma of Wanda's current conundrum. As we see what Wanda and company are getting up to, Pietro jokes about Wanda about fulfilling his role as a character in her TV world, causing a stir, ruffling up the kids, and getting them into mischievous acts and causing her to experience grief. Once again, they're interrupted by the twins, Tommy of whom has just shown his newfound powers of super speed, much like his uncle Pietro. Vision, upon finding more frozen people in the outskirts of town, wanders upon a still Agnes, whom he awakens. She's confused and scared by the current affairs and begs for Vision to help him. She then drops a massive bomb on Vision, revealing to him that he is in fact dead. (sighs) As he can't gather any reliable information from her, he reverts her back to her disillusioned self as he ventures past Ellis Avenue to breach the bubble. The Golden Trio plan their move as Monica gets the go-ahead from her contact to meet up with them to get back into the hex. Darcy expresses concerns for Monica about going back into the hex as the genetic makeup has been rewritten and affected from her interactions with the hex. 
Monica pushes onward with Jimmy as Darcy stays behind to crack the code on what's going on here. Wanda and Pietro find themselves in the town square as the night is reaching the climax of Spooky. And Pietro once again breaks the fourth ball by asking where she's kept these kids all this time, expressing awe at how she's managed to put together this illusion so well and how advanced her powers have become. Wanda admits her not knowing how and why this all started before being interrupted by a screaming Billy. Much like Tommy, Billy has discovered his powers and his telepathy lets him hear a disgruntled vision who has escaped the bubble and is in contact with Sword. Vision begins to deteriorate and is being pulled back into the hex. Wanda, knowing what to do, halts all activity in the town square to utilize her powers in expanding the bubble to encompass Vision in order to save them. In doing so, the hex expands miles farther, bringing in the circus into town <laughs> as reformed clowns and mimes show up from the now consumed Sword agents. With the sword base absorbed along with Darcy and Monica, Jimmy Hayward and his close sword agents remain outside of the newly expanded reality bubble, now taking on a more hexagonal shape. I look this episode. It's just hearing your recap right now has made me so excited to talk about it. The one thing I have to say that I loved about this episode were the costumes. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Can someone please give Elizabeth Olsen a permanent headpiece? She looks so good. Yeah, yeah she and rocks that hair. Thing. It's just so perfect. And I love how she's a Sokovian fortune teller. I love how it's yeah. written there. And then I love how she's horny for Mexican wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. I'm like, we were watching it again. When we were watching it again, I'm like, what is what are they saying vision is like he's a mexican wrestler that's what that's really what they're saying he is okay all right i'm like sure but yeah. i love how they explain wanda and vision but then they don't explain pietro and tommy or billy, billy and, yeah. and what their costumes are supposed to be yeah but they're still spot on all of them and even the fact that agnes in her is a witch. befuddled uh She's a witch. She's a witch. Do you guys think that Agnes is Agatha? Yes. I mean, I can't see how she's not. I yeah. want to. You know, and I, granted, I don't have a lot. I have nothing to go off of except things that y'all say, things I see on the internet, you know, I things I Google. Um, but I, it just seems like I think I think she is, and I feel like her not knowing or her kind of being out of out of the loop in that moment was potentially even her trying to lead vision in, yes. into some direction. I, I love that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. You guys, like, all of you did. I felt like, I felt like after watching that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I do agree. I felt like that was definitely a, uh, like a setup for vision to move yeah, forward. Especially the way she repeats like, yeah, dead, dead, it was, dead. It was the combination <laughs> of, and, and seeing it that second time, her headlights are pointing to the exit that he goes out. Yeah, she's she's showing him the way that leads him out right mm -hmm. into the sword agents. You can you can exit this hexagon anywhere, but you're gonna exit it right there. Right, and all of a sudden, when Vision puts her back in her state, yeah. she can just drive away. She's not frozen anymore. So clearly, she's not really under some other control because she just drives away. Otherwise, she would have just gone back to staring at the road in front of her well she was also one of the only people to be able to speak at all while frozen yeah. 
So that's what threw me off because you see Agnes there. And I think the assumption is you're out of Wanda's radius. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have her influence on you. But then Vision does his vision magic. I still don't understand what he's doing. Like, I don't understand the science of it. He's never displayed this kind of power before. I feel like with Wanda, we can get away with it because her power set's murky and they've explained she's grown. But whatever he's doing with his fingers, it reminds me of Glory from Buffy. I don't know if you guys ever saw Buffy. But I'm just like, okay, so somehow he's just turning on an on switch and then he can turn it off. Fine. I get that. But then the way I kind of read it was she was trying to leave town, but she was outside of Wanda's influence. So she just became like a drone. But then it's exactly what you guys said. You know, Vision does his thing and then she can go back to being mindless. But no, she's actually back in her own like character and she makes a U-turn and leaves. Right. She's just like, bye. Right. Later, bye. bye, neighbor. <laughs> See you oh, at the town square square. Which I totally want to go there with Catherine Hahn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Where, where was she even going? You know, what, what is the explanation of? She got point? lost, babe. Right, right, right. Also, she, okay. Whoo, she mentions, she says, okay, two things. Excuse me while I consult my notes for a second here. Go for it. Oh, oh my God. Listeners, the glasses are on. <laughs> <laughs> she is checking okay. her receipts. Okay. So so she says when they're talking, she says, uh, looks looks like I took a wrong turn, got lost. And then later she says all hope is lost. So twice she mentions that everything is lost. I'm lost, you're lost. So what's lost? Tell me more. I need and to And of know. course, that is a famous quote, abandon all hope, all ye who enter, all hope is lost from Dante's Inferno. Oh, so they're kind of in hell. And Nightfall, you made the reference to Dante's Inferno a couple episodes ago about this being a spiral of hell. And the the stages of grief, too. Like those two kind of have an overlapping comparison within this world. Um, I was actually going to say, too, about the the Agnes thing. Um, All the neighbors, especially at that point that Vision had gone to, and and even the neighbors um, that the Golden Trio were kind of seeing on the screen we're all frozen and they weren't mm-hmm. responsive at all. And when Wanda halts everything, they all stop. And the only thing we've ever seen is someone repeating an action as if they're mm-hmm. glitched and stuck. So I, I, on the second view, I was like, that is weird that she talked, that she was like in a trance, if you will. Like she wasn't paying attention. She was kind of like, right. but she talked and she was responsive as if she was like kind of faking it. And that's what led me to believe like it's, it was all a setup. Like she, I can't imagine her being in a car and wanting to leave. Like the only logical explanation I have is like the further you get away, like the closer you get to the edge of the bubble, you just, you're kind of almost halted by Wanda. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, kind of like when do you go to, when everyone goes to sleep and it's the next day, she puts everyone back kind of into the center and then lets <laughs> them kind of, it's like, if you accidentally go too far out, you're like, well, they, like, they wander and then <laughs> yeah. she like hurts them back. Yeah, yeah. They're like, sheep. she hurts them back. But I think like, I think she, I think Agnes was setting up vision to be reawakened and she was all acting through that. Um, yeah. In that whole situation. Totally. I love that. I love that. I definitely didn't grab that from watching it, but I'm going to go back and view that next. What did you guys make of Evan Peters? In this episode, listen, something's not right here. That's not Quicksilver. Okay. Because first, hashtag not my Quicksilver. First of all, in 
in the credits and like the opening sequence, it's like lists everybody's name. And then when it gets to him, it says as himself. Yeah. Why does it say that when it doesn't say that about anyone else as Mm -hmm. himself? Also, he breaks the fourth wall. Like, and when, is it Billy? Yeah. Billy like turns to the camera and like says something and you can like see him in the background. He's like, yeah, like everyone else is frozen but he's not frozen and he knows a lot of things he shouldn't know. And he references, he references the, like the outside world and the past. And he remembers this where no one else remembers that unless they've been like magically touched by vision, Mm -hmm. like vision doesn't even remember what's happened outside. Wanda supposedly doesn't really remember what's happened outside, but he knows. And he's too like cool about it. So my thoughts, I have a couple of thoughts on Evan Peters. One, his speed is not Days of Future Past speed. It's very much MCU speed. Mm-hmm. And then in the recap, at the opening with the recap, we do get Aaron Taylor Johnson. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's supposed to be in the grand scheme of things. I don't think it's a Shannon Doherty situation where they can't use his image because they'd have to pay him for the whole episode. I think they deliberately put that there to remind us that there are two different versions of Quicksilver. Mm -hmm. The one thing about Evan Peters Quicksilver in this episode that like really stuck to me was the scene when they were sitting down and he was talking to his sister and he's being all salty the entire episode. And he's like, but how did you do it? Yeah. Yeah. And he said something early on when they were, they did the flashback to the Halloween to, to, to their own Halloween in Sokovia he said, you repressed your memory. And, yeah. and we see that come back again when he's sitting with her and talking. I almost feel that he is working for someone. Mm-hmm. So how is this going to play out? Is it, you know, I, I'm not into the Mephisto theory. I don't think Mephisto is at play here, but I'm, I, I have an open heart if he is. So <laughs> is he working for Mephisto or is he Mephisto? My working theory is that he's working for Dr. Strange. And Dr. Strange pulled a Pietro from the multiverse, in this case, the Days of Future Past, sent him in so he can find out how Wanda did this so Dr. Strange can start unraveling things. Interesting. I I really like that, actually, because what I was going to... I don't like the idea that he's Mephisto. I feel like... Because what that does is that invalidates his existence as a character. Then you have to, like, do this whole, you know ring around to figure out why like how do you get him back as quicksilver you know what i mean it just it makes more sense that he was pulled from an alternate dimension and that is evan peters's quicksilver in this in the marvel universe mm-hmm. uh, what i hypothesize and what i see it as is there's elements of wanda's powers whether it's you know billy when we hypothesize that the bu- butterflies fluttering was billy's doing and not hers but she's admitted she doesn't have full control over her reality warping abilities so i was saying that in her own way, maybe she not lied, but didn't understand that she accidentally pulled Pietro because mm-hmm. she'd been probably thinking about it from the last episode the whole time. And she was thinking about wanting a brother. And this was probably like a subconscious solution to the whole issue with vision. And what I think much like everyone, she gives everyone a personality or an attribute to them. And I think she gave Pietro a little bit more of an insight, much like the kids, the kids have an insight on what they know that mm-hmm. this whole world is fake they don't know what's going on outside but they know that the world is fake so i think in a similar vein she's kind of almost like allotted some kind of consciousness in pietro to be very self-aware 
because like a lot of the comments he makes are very like on the nose yeah and yeah it, not only does it fit perfectly to his character to specifically evan peters's quicksilver's character but it also fits really well to like giving wanda that conduit of like being able to express herself freely because she hasn't had that ability to really deal with her grief to another individual in that bubble. And so she's kind of created that for herself. I also kind of going off of what you're saying. I also have thought that he's not, he's not real at all. Like he's not even a person. He's just like, so like twins are connected mentally. Right. So he's just a piece of Wanda's brain. And it's like her inside knowledge of what's happening because I really don't think that Wanda is in control. I think that she can control things within the hex, but I don't think that she is the sole creator of it. And so I think that there's a part of her brain that is trying to tell her that she's being controlled and trying to point out all these things to her. So whether that's that she's implemented some of that into him so that he can connect that for her or he's just not even he she's completely fabricated him like her conscious part of her brain is like you need to recognize that these things are going on so like he's asking all those questions because she's asking all those questions like where were all the kids before this and how did I do this like she's asking those questions so he's saying them out loud but I think it's somehow her that's doing it I love how there's so many kids all of a sudden. I took that as oh, the biggest yeah. So many you. kids. The biggest fuck you to Vision when he questioned her last episode. <laughs> she's here like, she's here like, I'm going to show you. They're ch- what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> kind of opens the curtains and there's just like a horde of kids outside. It's like, it's like all of a sudden it's hocus pocus and they're singing come little children and they're all like, <laughs> Oh I'm God. here. I've been here the whole time. Or Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in terms of, and Justin, I want your thoughts because I took her when she said, when the doorbell rang and it was Pietro before that, she said, that wasn't me. Yeah. So I don't, you know, they mentioned at the beginning of the episode that, you know, Pietro's arrival has caused a lot of strife in their household and that, you know, mom and dad aren't getting along. So I don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily sold just yet if he's a construct of one. I think it's a really interesting theory. But for me, it, it was, how did you do it? That yeah. question that just yeah. did a little, yeah, Justin, I want to hear your thoughts. It, too. It was the how did you do it? And also how he latched out to her about the, your dead husband can't die twice, right? You know, that just felt Darn. very out of character and very not something that she would want to bring up. And I feel like he's acting as this trying to solve, trying to get at the heart of what the mystery is that, you know, trying to unravel her powers or her, her understanding of her control, because when that happens, when she's in these moments of rage or moments of distress, she loses even more control of her powers. Right. So she's pregnant and she's having the children, her magic is working all out of out of control when her and Vision are going at it in the, the next episode. Her, at those moments, she loses control over various things. And I feel like it's either trying to get her to lose further control or trying to push her to do what she did by the end of the episode and expand the reach of her powers. Crazy. Which that made me so excited seeing the the bubble or the hex expand because I was like, Man, she could do this to the whole planet, and boom, we got House of M. Yeah. But and, and so here's the thing. Let, let, let's just dive into this. 
Monica comes out of the hex. So she went through the barriers twice to go in and come out. It took me a little second there to like process that when they were like, she goes twice. I'm like, what do you mean twice? But anyways, (laughs) goes in, comes out. And they made it a point to show us a missile that also went in and came out and it still had the Wanda energy around it. Yes. So anything that comes out of the hex is permanently altered by Wanda. And in Monica's case, looks like she has powers. We're going to assume it's powers. Do we think the people inside the hex, once they come out of it, are going to be superpowered, perhaps mutants? I don't know. This is another thing I saw on TikTok. Yeah, yeah we were watching. Oh, I didn't know this was an actual thing. I, much like you guys, I avoided all of my DMs yeah. and feeds yesterday. I watched it, w- woke up this morning, I posted one thing, and then I started writing my notes. Yeah, so. no, but then once I watched the episode, then I just am like, the next one, the next one, Do, the next one. Because I was thinking about that, about is this how they're causing more mutants or more powers? And we w- watched a theory that that would technically be a mutate versus a mutant, right? Where yeah. evolution, natural occurring in their bodies would be I love, birth yes. of mutants. So are they are they awakening up latent powers or things that are inside? You know, you have the right. photon reference like already. Dormant? Right. Yeah. And we know that with Wanda and Pietro and the Wakanda files, they specifically mentioned that they were a success for the Hydra experiments because there was something deep in their genetics that made them gifted. So maybe it's not everyone who comes out. Maybe someone like Photon, you know, had already the genetic, you know, makeup in mm-hmm. her for it to be make her immune. But it's definitely curious. I mean, they've definitely set it up the rules that if you come out of the hex, you're not coming out how you went in. Right. Yeah. And one other thing about sort of that same thing is when um, Monica comes out and they're like relooking at her clothes a couple episodes ago and her clothes are still in the form that they are in, in the seventies. I think that the closer that we get to the current timeline, the more set in stone, the things that are happening inside the hex become. So like right. as, as we get closer to the real reality, the the reality altering that she's doing becomes more solidified. So once we're back up to, you know, now, whatever she's done to those people is set in stone. I think. I think it'll it'll be also a lot more subtle. Is I've seen also the same theory where people have been saying the way she'll introduce mutants or a, a type of mutant esque experience is by creating the hex kind of all over the world. I think it's going to be subtle in the sense you know, you're changing the the formula, but you're not rewriting everything. You're just making it very subtle. So like everything is going to be like the nuance, like maybe it'll be more of like a thing of her fixing the wrong she's done because what mm-hmm. I, I loved so much from this uh, show and specifically what they even did in Civil War with Lagos is showing that there's repercussions for these actions. Yes. There's repercussions for these things. And they've always talked about how, you know, I forgot what the wording was, but like the, the idea of like, you know, a very traumatized or troubled woman's story is kind of a bit outdated by, because it's been told so many times they want to tell, or they want to tell a more organic, fair story to Wanda. And I think what's going to happen is everyone, first of all, there's going to be repercussions for what she's done to these individuals, right? They're going to have some level of trauma from being manipulated. It's not, you know, I was thinking about this back in the day, like something like House of M, the X-Men and the individuals that were affected didn't really talk so much about like, the idea of being completely like, like the, the trauma that happens when you're just forced to live a life that's not 
even though it's good, it's not yours. And we really see that narrative get kind of pulled a lot more. Like there's a subversion of this idea that like, that's something that never would have been talked about as much as it is now, where it's like, this is such an interesting concept. So I feel like the hex in a way is going to rewrite or at least fix a lot of issues, but it's also going to change the game in terms of like how things are going to make sense, especially if Evan Peters is a staple now in the MC universe. There has to be other mutants down the road that would yeah. be within the universe. What I love that you guys have just been talking about, I, I'm just picturing the hex growing more and more. And then Wanda finally say, I'm going to put an end to this and sort of a reverse, no more Phoenix at the end of Avengers versus X-Men. And like the hex will explode and just repower people or just power an entire new race and alter their genetics. Cause I'm still, and this could be just because I'm, you know, my sci-fi brain needs to have every little single detail on how everything works. I'm not quite sure what she's doing. So Monica went into the hex with a bulletproof vest and that got manipulated into her outfits. So it comes out of the hex. It's still bulletproof but it looks different. So is she altering it on a subatomic level, an aesthetic level? I'm not quite sure how that works. And what does that do for someone's body? Is it a mutate? I I agree 1000% with what you said, Justin. Technically they're mutates. They're not the next step in evolution, but is Wanda kickstarting a genetic or is she manipulating someone's genetics? That's, I need to know, you know what I mean? Well, kind of to connect through the point of them having something extra as part of their physiology, which is why they were such a success in the Hydra programming, the commercial that says unlock the goddess within, right? So unlocking that potential of what could already be there. Oh, I just want to say also that we keep saying, what is she doing? What is she doing? I don't think, I still don't think that Wanda's doing it all by herself. So the hex is blue when it starts, right? The hex is blue. Mm -hmm. And then when she comes out of the hex and she's like pissed off, then she makes the hex red. But in this episode, we see that she only made the hex red on the outside. So to the outside, it on the outside, it looks like Wanda is in control. But on the inside, it's blue. So on the inside, it's not really her. And that I feel like is like a little hint of like, there's someone else. There's something else controlling it. And the fact that the... Billy is also controlling things in there and Billy's powers are blue. I was just going to say that. Kind of like is a little, and I don't know how he could possibly be doing any of this stuff before he was even quote unquote conceived. (laughs) Um, But it's just, I just thought that was an interesting detail that the hex, now that she's turned it red, it's still only red on the outside. It's still only their outside perspective that Wanda's the one doing this. So they're seeing it as red, but on the inside, all the people on the inside, what Vision sees when he starts to go through it, it's blue. It's yeah. not red. Yeah. Who do you guys think is in control here? Who do you think it's a puppet master? I, I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I love how you just said that in your casual Wanda gear. You're like, I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, my, so I don't think it's Mephisto. I think that that's comic accurate, but out of left field for the MCU. Mm-hmm. I think it's Agreed. either Dormammu or Nightmare. And I okay. think that that's going to be kind of a setup lead into 
multiverse of madness that you know nightmare having the ability to give you what you want and manipulate you in a dreamlike state and he's been rumored as a potential villain for so i, I just feel like that's going to be something that ties it even further to dr strange and and him coming in in some way yeah i would agree with i would agree with that it it's not mephisto because i think for the mcu to have a shift that is really only relatable or contextually like there for people who read the comics and not have any connection to that people who are only MCU fans could really pull out. I think there has to be something that they've altered or changed that's going to make sense for people who don't read the comics, who only know the movies. Because granted, I feel very lucky to have stepped into the world of X-Men through the comics right before starting watching this, because if I didn't, all the things that people post and all the stuff going on, I would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I just feel like there has to be, there has to be a, a solid way for them to tie it to another character. And it's already been said that the Doctor Strange show is going to have, so, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> you're the worst. Okay. That's it. I know what I'm talking about. I'm a professional. No, but what you guys have nailed it. That's what we've been talking about. This has to lead into Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. <gasps> My theory is that. Oh wait, have you seen? You've seen Spider-Man? Yeah. Oh, right. I've seen. I've seen okay. all the movies. Okay. Okay. Don't you worry about any so, of that. Jay Jonah Jameson is already in. You know, Spider-Man Two, and this takes place months after they blip back. WandaVision takes place like three weeks mm -hmm. after they blip back. So my theory is the multiverse has been broken for a while. Wanda has somehow cracked it and everything's bleeding through. And so we, we need characters like Dr. Strange to come in and listeners. That's why we keep talking about Dr. Strange because thematically it makes sense that he's going to appear and be like, shit. And let's start the next, you know, let, let's go on to the next chapter. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm, I like the idea that it's nightmare. I 1000% agree. She has made the deal, a deal with the devil. I still don't, why is she broadcasting it though? Why is she broadcasting? That's why I'm thinking Mojo because mm -hmm. you're, you're broadcasting this to the multiverse, mm -hmm. like yeah. with opening credits. So what I, what I've really enjoyed about this has been the use of TV as a form of kind of like metaphors deconstructing the idea of a family, a nuclear mm -hmm. family, and the idea of what you want that makes you happy. I think, especially for someone like Wanda, who comes from a Sokovian background, it's not American, and everything in this world is Americanized and very like that, like kitschy, cheesy 90s, 80s, all these eras are just like very much like kind of um, made into digestible bites for you to understand that this is what the idea of a family is. And it's funny mm -hmm. how it's like you almost go through stages where you know, they're in their honeymoon phase and then they're having issues. And then, you know, it's like all these life stuff you go through and she's kind of existing and processing it through it. So I think the use of the TV and the broadcasting is more of a metaphor than it is like an actual means to an end in terms of like why it's laying out her, like why she's broadcasting. I think it's just, it's a metaphor. Yeah, totally. But what I really, really appreciate is how much they're kind of blurring those lines a lot more yeah. and just like everything that they're showcasing and everything they're doing. Um, I have, this is just one thing I was obsessed with and I rewatched multiple times. It's very subtle. And I think I'm looking into it too much. Never. And at the end. I know. Right. At the end, when, when uh, 
Billy is telling Wanda that, you know, Vision is in trouble, when she blasts Pietro, she turns around and I feel like if you kind of listen carefully, she sounds like she's broken character. Like the way she says Billy has like an accent. It's almost like she's like, I don't fucking give a shit about this anymore. And she even like kind of broke the reality in the bubble, like halting everything. Like she's been showing magic. She doesn't care anymore. She's like, I, this is important to me now. Well, to Alicia's point, Billy is the one who can sense vision. Wanda can't. And Billy yeah. can not only sense vision, but he can hear the director talking too. Yeah, he can hear the side. <laughs> He's, yeah. He knows what's up. He doesn't just hear vision talking. He yeah. hears the director talking too. And can see. And he can see all of them. Yeah. That's, and why, that's something Billy? that, why, why Billy? And, and Wanda isn't even exercising that level of power or control. And I think we, I don't, it's interesting at the beginning of the episode when he's here, like, Oh, I'm going to go be part of the neighborhood watch. She's here. Like, that's not what you're supposed to do. And he's here. Like, what's that? She goes, nothing. I I wish we would have talked about that. So she has no control over vision, which in episode one, my theory is that she makes a boss choke. You know, she, she purposely choked the boss. She looks at vision and she says, vision, help him. Mm -hmm. And vision gets up and does it. Now it's a complete opposite. I don't know if it's because she's, chosen not to control him or you know things have evolved did you have to go nightfall yeah i'm so sorry i I have people waiting downstairs guys it was a pleasure thank you yeah thank you so much i'm just i'm curious to see what what, what's unraveling there with her and vision and did you notice that he has the mind stone when he steps out Mm -hmm. can we just talk about vision for just a second because something that i have noticed about vision consistently is he is never 100 percent there and together okay there is one episode where this is alicia like crazy continuity brain where he is wearing right he's wearing his shirt and his tie and his shirt is untucked like the collar is untucked on one side and at first i was like okay that's like a an issue with like wardrobe and they need to fix it and it's going to be fine it'll be fixed and then we watched the episode again and i was like every single shot it's off it's every single shot it's shifted it's not tucked in that's intentional yeah in this episode he in his costume he has the stone on his head and it's never perfectly centered it's no. always shifting. I noticed that too. I noticed and, that too. And so I thought like, it was costume. Right. You're like, what's happening? Is this a, is this an issue? Is this a malfunction? No, there's something that's like something's not right. And I I won't say for sure that it's definitely every single episode, but it is always when he is questioning what's happening. Because the episode where it happens the first time is when he un like he wakes up Norm. And he's like starting to question what's happening. So as he's starting to question the reality, he's not like fitting perfectly into the box. Like he's glitching a little bit too. Yeah, he's breaking free of any kind of control. <laughs> Your you right have given me another reason to go back and rewatch every single scene and freeze it. I thought I was catching everything, but you're absolutely, I just I love- I am a crazy person. No, okay. I appreciate that brain so much. I just love how they, everywhere from props to acting to wardrobe to set design, they are putting in these Easter eggs for the narrative. I mean, this is next level what they um, are doing here. Can we can we talk about the movie theater for a second? Yes, please. Okay. Are we, so the, the signs, the, the two movies, The Incredibles and, and The Parent, parent trap. trap. Okay. 
The Incredibles is a movie about superheroes living in a suburban world where they are suppressed by the government. Just saying that. I mean, that is the wrong time frame. And The Parent Trap is a movie about two twin children who pretend to be something that they're not to trick their parents. Starring Lindsay Lohan. I mean, Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) But I'm just, I mean, yeah. Yeah. No. Why? Why include that? that? The fact that The Incredibles, I think, came out in the 2000s, came out in 2004. Yeah, it's not in the right time. So it doesn't fit in the continuity of exactly what you were saying that everything matches to that time frame. I literally had that note in my in my notes. Like that's insane. Yes. I mean, again, it's just it's so rich. And what is this saying? I mean, first of all, the fact that it's not in like the movie is just not in the right timeline or, or time, excuse me, goes to show that Wanda, we know Wanda is inconsistent. Last episode, oh, your dad's at work. It's Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. And they're like, no, it, mom, she's here like, no, it's Monday. And they're like, mom, chill bitch. Here's like a, a vent platter. Like <laughs> hold on, it's, hold Saturday. On, it's Saturday. Like, you know, it's Wanda's losing grasp on this reality. And I love that. Yeah. Say the thing you said about Oh yeah, so Herb, and even in general, things get said and then they happen, right? Something yeah. is dropped in an episode and then a couple of minutes later, happens right away. When Herb is talking on the Neighborhood Watch Patrol about the things that Pietro and the twins are doing, he's saying them before we actually see them happening. So he's Notice saying, that too. Right, so he's saying about all the candy being gone and then they run by. And then he's saying about the pumpkins, he's saying about the silly stream. And then his line to Wanda that was, is there anything I can do for, you know, they just need anything changed. Yeah. Do you need anything changed? Like that just felt those to me, those are the things like that. And when there's hair in my mouth, when Agnes said it and she says the same thing, like, it's like, those are the things to me that stick out as Wanda's not fully in control. Someone is just making people think that Wanda's in control. And Herb in particular, because in that episode where Monica gets jettisoned out, he's yeah, he chain, starts- chainsawing through the wall, like breaking through the wall yeah. of her control. Or, you know, the, the Oh my re- God, right. I love you so much right now. He's breaking <laughs> through the wall physically and literally. That's right. amazing. <laughs> breaking through that fourth wall in a way that is giving him more awareness of what's going on. Yeah. I just thought it was like an NPC glitching. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I love the way you just said that. Yeah. I mean, Wanda herself in the last episode said, do you think I have that much power that I can move these people to their dentist appointments to, to walk their dogs? That's the thing that's throwing me off though. I don't have an answer for it, you know, because on one hand, I agree with you. I, I don't think Wanda's controlling everything and and everyone may think it's Wanda because, and Nightfall said this in our last episode, when uh, Vision's co-worker, oh gosh, I forget Norm. his name, Norm, when Norm says, tell her to stop, she's in control. He doesn't specify I'm Wanda, yeah. doesn't specify Wanda. So that's, that's fair. But at the same time though, when I'm seeing what's happening in that scene, I can also see Wanda being like, oh, I want my family to have these hijinks with their uncle, you know, running around. So Wanda is making up the script as it goes along. Yeah. I don't know though. I mean, I, I need answers. I mean, For me, I have no answers. 
It's interesting the way, though, when she's talking to Pietro about what's happening and he said he's like asking her, like, what did you what, what have you been doing with these kids this whole time and asking her all those questions? And she starts to answer in a way that I think she's going to say she's not doing it. And then she changes her tone and she says, you, you don't think it's bad. You don't think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. And so I'm just like, what? Like, and, why? Why phrase it like that? And it also seems that. You know, so Vision went off script last episode, right? When yeah. he and then Agnes kind of called attention to that, and then this episode, multiple things that he calls attention to, but doesn't really push. That it was the only thing in my closet. You know, right. I have to wear this because it was the only you you wrote that into the script, so I followed along so I could get out of the house. I loved how he played that scene. Paul Bettany played that scene because it was so vindictive. He's like, oh, shit, I don't want to piss her off. Oh, but I love it. Thank you. You know me so well, darling. You and your Mexican wrestler fetish. (laughs) (laughs) And even though, and by the way, what really sells me, and I think why I'm so invested in WandaVision is the chemistry between Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. They really bounce off of each other well. And even with... Wanda and Evan Peters, excuse me, Elizabeth Olsen and Evan Peters. I really like their dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I like that her brother's a bit more antagonistic as opposed to protective, Mm -hmm. right? It's two very different interpretations of Quicksilver that we get. And I think it gives a lot for the actors to play with. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. I'm, you know, with Quicksilver, I'm still like, I'm just, again, it's a big question mark for me. I don't know where we're supposed to go with that. And he says some pretty insightful things like you're the empathetic twin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's here like, I'm not your husband. I'm not one of these people. You can talk to me. I'm a real person. Right. Oh, almost like to, I, I wrote that specific line down because he's trying to get information from her. Yeah. He's trying to get these questions answered. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't shut me out. You know, I'm not some mm-hmm. stranger. I'm not your husband. You can trust me. I'm your brother. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. I'm your brother. Kind. I'm your brother. Kind of. What did we think of the Yo Magic commercial? And, mm-hmm. and listeners, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know, I'm obsessed with Victoria Blade our favorite actress in all of these episodes who does the commercials, who ignores me on social media. I have DM'd her. I have tagged her. She did an AMA. I asked, what's your publicist information? I need you on this show, even if it's for like five minutes. She wasn't in this, but what we got was a very 90s, like oh snack God, commercial. So, with like 90s. so 90s. It reminded me of shark bites. I mean, quite literally, it's in your face. Remember those little like gummies that were shark bites, which I was, I'm obsessed with sharks, so I was obsessed with these. <laughs> but I didn't, the way I kind of saw this commercial wasn't necessarily a reference to something that happened that we've seen on screen before, but rather something that's happened off screen or will happen. And I think it was in your face that like, oh, are you a survivor? Here, magic is going to help you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious about what you guys think, because that's as far as my analysis of the scene goes. Well, I have no original thoughts. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I just, I disagree. All my, all my thoughts have been influenced. Well, on this particular subject have been influenced by the wonderful world of TikTok. I love that okay. you're such a TikToker. Right I am now. so <laughs> obsessed with what these people say. I literally just like, I'm like, skip, skip, skip. Give me the next WandaVision one. But so, it also makes sense that you would be into TikTok because you're also a dancer. Yes, that's there true. Um, so a couple of things 
One is this idea that the next thing sequentially would be that Wanda would be stranded on the raft prison without access to her magic. And so she's like floating on the raft and she doesn't have access to her magic. So she's immobile and she can't get out. Okay. The other thing is that the people, this, the people in the town that you see the frozen people and you see them unable to act, they have the ability to like, it's just out of their reach to do something, to say something. They're aware of what's happening. They're frozen. We see those people first and then we go right into the commercial. And it's these, this person who's stranded on an Island and like, can't act act. they can't move so is that somehow tied to the people and then the other thing is like why is it a little boy and this is just like this is my original thought like what why isn't it a was that one of the twins like is that commercial in reference to them that like their magic is the answer Mm -hmm. and they just can't do anything about it right now because it's all the other commercials have either been these two adult people or now it's a child. So why is it a child? Yeah, I was thinking that too. Why is it a child? It's a boy child. Victoria Blade is nowhere in sight. So I'm already like questioning everything in my Um, life. Unless she's secretly the shark. Oh my God. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, I mean, she's so talented. I wouldn't doubt it. But I, the other kind of theory I saw was that it was a reference to Red Skull. Obviously, the child becomes a corpse at the end, and he is the sole survivor, Soul Stone. And I, I'm not sold on it. I, so then, then there's people that have drawn connections to each of the commercials to one of the one Infinity of the stones. stones, right? So oh, yeah. This right. would represent the Soul Stone. That the Time Stone was the the watch. That the the scepter and you know that was the Hydra one. The Power Stone is the toaster. Right. And that's the Mind Stone, I think. No power, oh. because it it blinks red. There's like something with a color in all of them that connects. I don't know, but it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and so the, the, the tagline of this commercial, the snack for survivors, right? So yo magic, yo magic. She is the survivor of this experience mm-hmm. that happened in Endgame. She lived and everyone died. And this has created this trauma when she loses her powers in the comics, she turns to magic to regain some, some control and to gain some, some more power into her, her character. So kind of what are those connections between her accessing magic? And then the other thing that made me think of was we're giving you life, but you can't really do anything with it. So the, these kids, they're brought to life. You know, if you read into the comic thread, they're, they're brought to life because of a, a shard of a soul and that magic, and, but they can't actually experience that life because are they real? Are they really real? Mm-hmm. You can That's have a really interesting, interesting way. Yeah. It's interesting too, because it's this idea of being a survivor where a lot of the, um, commercials are related or all of the commercials up to this point are related to some kind of loss or devastation that Wanda has experienced some kind of trauma. And so then they're saying the only way out of dealing with this trauma is your magic. And that's basically what she's done is she's created this Island where people can't leave and they can't move and they're under her control, but that's her way of surviving her trauma is her magic. So like, that's also interesting. 
what I found interesting about the commercial, first of all, I love everything you guys just said, like 100% agree. I I think about the boy not being able, he couldn't open up Yo Magic, right? Like, right. And then that's why he died. That's what throws me off because I'm just like, what does that mean specifically? Mm-hmm. Why, why not have the little boy eat the magic and, you know, thrive in this illusion? Why does he have to, oh, 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 the glasses are on. The glasses are on. Casual Wanda just pulled out her glasses. Um, the library is open, honey. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me tell you some news here. The shark says, I used to be hungry. Then I snacked on yo magic. Oh, so do we think the shark is someone like Mephisto? Yes. Or I Nightmare? The shark is feasting the- on Wanda. Yes. And becoming stronger. Ah, and the shark is blue. And the shark gives you something that you want, but is it, you know. Well, you know, in the comic books, to Justin's point, Alicia, I'm sorry if this is a spoiler. It's great. It's great. I'm just, I feel like I'm always going to apologize to you. It's, they're supposed to be shards of Mephisto's soul. Right. And if you notice, Evan Peters says to the kids when they go off, go wreak havoc, demon spawns, or Mm -hmm. whatever the exact quote is. So I I'm kind of buying into the idea that they are a byproduct of something else. Mm-hmm. I, I they have to somehow survive at the end of this because they're going to go into Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. So we know the Young Avengers are coming. I don't I, I don't know what to make of the twins just yet. I like Alicia's theory that Billy with the blue magic because that's what I was thinking when you guys were talking right now mm-hmm. that he's somehow you know part of the the larger problem here the larger narrative, but I don't. There was such that he was very authentic when he came running to his mom. You yeah. know, I don't know what to think. I'm just, I'm. Th- this well, Billy, is there anyone else that y'all know that has blue magic? <laughs> like, what color is this nightmare, dude? <laughs> Let me see. Hang on. Let me Google nightmare. Let me see his power side. I can't really think of it. I was going to be like, Iceman has blue magic. <laughs> it's Iceman. He's it's doing Iceman. it. Um, no, nightmare doesn't have blue magic no one also thinking so looks like it's more green so if but i don't think the twins are i think if the twins are constructs of a soul or something else more nefarious they're still their own entity and they're gonna Mm -hmm. leave and be good kind of like in the comic books Mm -hmm. i don't know to what extent are they connected to things this episode did not give me any answers it just gave me questions you said Dormammu? Potentially, yeah. So, like, I'm just, I still am thinking about the shark and the shark saying that I was hungry and I feasted on your, your magic. And now, like, your magic is the key for you to get out of this. Like, it just, that feels like someone else did something similar and is trying to, like, show Wanda the way. Well, I like yeah. that too, because it would connect to Doctor Strange. Yeah. And I'm forgetting about Dormammu. Was he trapped? Yes. He was trapped. So he could be using Wanda as a vessel to get out. Maybe the twins are a manifestation of his soul, but they can be their own entities and have their own consciousness and so forth. Well, and plus, so in, in the comics, they are born, they are the twins, but then they're erased because they weren't real and then they come back. So that could kind of, 
play happen. into oh. this idea of them being the heroes that they're destined to be at some point. Dormammu has been trapped in, I think, the dark dimension for however mm -hmm. long. Allusions to that being devil or that having that, that kind of dark magic, I feel like, are there. He has to be up to something. He has to be plotting. You don't, you don't take someone that's that big of a character and then just sideline him without a subplot to be working on. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and he's, I mean, he's a huge character and he connects to the Doctor Strange mythos and he's a Build-A-Figure over yeah. for Marvel Legends. Like, yeah. Build-A-Figures do not get sidelined. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the other thing, the, the other thing I want to point out is Justin and I both were writing like feverishly like <laughs> at this point. Um, this is the first time that the theme song Ooh. has had like Very a more in-depth very look into things like the lyrics in the theme song are one day it's all an illusion hold on i can't don't, read don't try to fight the chaos don't yes. question what you've done sit back enjoy the show let's keep it going there yeah. may be no way of knowing who's coming to play yeah who else is coming yo <laughs> who else magneto, I, magneto. Well, the man on the outside <sighs> Monica's, I don't think it's Magneto. I, I just want I, it I to be Magneto. Magneto. I don't really see a real reason why it would be. I just want it to I be. want Magneto. I mean, I would love the ending for Michael Fassbender to come in and be like, give me my daughter. Yeah. But, okay, wait. So that's two, we have two unknown players here. We could have the person that's referenced in the song who is either, you know, Mephisto, Domamaru, or, or whoever. And we also have Monica's guy right. that they're going to meet. So I want to ask you, guys this question who do you think monica's astrophysicist is i think it's either reed richards or victor von doom Ooh. yeah do you so a lot of people online were saying that there was possibly doom reference when they were talking about the orphanage and the kid with the really bad skin for me, that's like a stretch. I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. I get it. Everything is an Easter egg here. And, and so we should consider it. It was, it's a little too vague for me, but I never considered Doom. I, I saw a tweet that said the only actor that can show up and people would be like, that's Reed Richards would be John Krasinski. Yeah. I, you know, the rumor is that he's going to be in Doctor Strange too, because they're going to glimpse into alt worlds of, Avengers and he would be Captain America because he was up for the role along with Emily Blunt as Black Widow. I think that would be a waste. Yeah. I would rather have them come in as Reed and Sue. But I'm yeah. curious what you guys what, so you think it's either Doom or Reed. I, th I think well Doom, Reed and, and this one's a stretch but Abigail Brand you know you're talking about sword you're talking about connections. Oh, yes. I feel like and that you know that that's not brings... a stretch at all. Right, that brings a lot more to play with. That brings half alien, half mutant, mm -hmm. director of sword. I feel like there's so much to her that could open up what could be later. So I I like that it could be Agent Brand because it ties into one of my theories that the devil, quote unquote, whoever the big bad of the series is, is already on the series. Mm -hmm. And I think it's director Hayward. I think oh, director yeah. Hayward. That guy is trash. Yeah. He's going to be unveiled to be someone bad. Monica takes over sword and then her right-hand woman is agent brand. I'm so kind of feeling that. I saw something and then I looked it up. The project file that he has that Darcy's cracking into is called cataract. 
mm-hmm. which is an effect to your vision. And also every single yes. episode at the end of the episode, when they're doing the beginning credits, uh, the end credits, it always goes inside Vision's eyeball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As though he could see through, because he knows so much that we don't. <gasps> he can see, he has inside information. He can I, see through Vision. I am so invested in the series that I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> oh my God. That's and I'm not totally just saying that. That's why he's tracking vision. That's why he's tracking vision because that's his man on the inside. Because that's his, that's his and, mole. And that's why he waited. That's why he waited to tell people that vision was abducted by Wanda because he knew that and he had been experimenting on. He totally was experimenting on vision. Yep. Totally wanted to turn him into a weapon. So he's been pulling the strings this entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because by the way, when Agent Wu was like, how is vision alive on his dry erase board? I'm like, where's his body that's like the next logical question if you're the agent there and it would make sense all that would be mm. also hi where's this missing person and who the heck is it yeah because i before we knew about before we knew about vision's body being stolen i kept thinking that wanda had like hijacked this missing person and is like superimposing vision on top of them as like i need you to be vision but that is clearly out the window um but like we did we just forget about this missing person and also where the hell is dotty yeah because everybody was saying that dotty is the one like the, she's the key to everything the, being the one in charge i love emma caulfield so much i'm a huge buffy stan I just don't think given the lack of importance they've given Dottie in the series that she's going to turn out to be something bigger than, right, like, than a victim. Where is and, she? And, and the reason why I say this, the, the big thing for me was when she was bleeding, she bled red and that showed that she was very human. Now, mm-hmm. could she be a manifestation to trick Wanda or something like that? I'm, I'm, I'm all here for it. But Emma Caulfield, I just don't, given that she hasn't appeared enough. I just don't see it. So that to that point about her bleeding red, the only things that have color are the things with direct connection to the outside. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> no, but things that are, are, are real or tangible. Right. I don't know. It, you know, we could take it from the Pleasantville analogy that once color gets introduced, it's because it, there's passion. There's more than just being this, you know, stereotype or, or this role that you were given and that's kind of like how I read into that scene. And, and that Wanda, again, is terrified that she is hurting people. I don't know. Again, I, I have no answers here. The one thing that I am really just salivating for is that in this episode, Darcy gets sucked into the hex. And that leads into the poster that leaked, or not leaked, I'm sorry. I'm so used to saying leaked. And that leads into the poster of her with like the insignias that are glowing on her chest. And I wonder if Darcy's going to come out empowered. Oh my God, please, yes. I love Darcy. I love Captain so much. Darcy is like, she's the best. And so where we're going timeline-wise in terms of decades, we're nearing Two Broke Girls, right? We're nearing (gasps) her sitcom. Oh my God, Justin! <laughs> I can't tell you everything I'm gonna say. Ay yeah 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 Oh my God, you didn't know he was gonna say that? No, there's so many things he said today that I'm genuinely <laughs> reacting. This is my. That's our show, though. <laughs> Even I... when we like, you sent us the questions. We he didn't tell me what his answers were gonna be. I didn't know his answers. <laughs> I didn't know his answers. I, 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 I agree with you. 
I, I've only seen a handful of episodes of two broke girls. I thought she was wonderful in them. Mm-hmm. I Who's going to be the a, other broke girl? Well, I don't, I don't know that you have to do a full homage to, to nod to that and, and to nod to that character. And, and you know, that, that might just be like, a, oh, that's funny. That's who she was. But. Will Wanda accept her in, in the neighborhood? I mean, again, I, who, whoever's casting or delineating roles. Because when the hex expands, so Wanda does, I mean, assuming it's Wanda who can, like, create what's happening, sword turns into a circus. Which mm-hmm. is so, it so has to mean something. Yeah. And then, so Darcy says in episode four about being in a full clown car. When she arrives. Oh. Oh my God. We could literally. There's just so much. There's just so much. I mean, we're already going on an hour and a half here. (laughs) I I keep telling everyone these are like mini episodes and they're not. Like the original pitch for this was that it was supposed to just be 20 minutes, like these episode recaps. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. We could, what we'll have to do is when you. When here I am, I'm pitching you something to do for your podcast. Okay, <laughs> please. When come. the show is over, okay, after episode nine, you wow. bring or, back or ten. Ten. What? Ten? ten. There's a big rumor that there's going to be a tenth episode. Stop. <laughs> I saw I saw something, and I don't. I couldn't confirm it. I couldn't find any confirmation on it. But that someone's saying that Kevin Feige has said that the last three episodes are an hour long each, and I'm not sure if that's true. The only thing I've heard about the last three episodes was Catherine Hahn and Paul Bettany, who said it's going to be the most intense MCU stuff we've ever seen. Mm. And I honestly think it's going to be Agnes awakening up as a witch. You know, we find out her name is Agatha and she's going to stand up to Wanda and they're going to duke it out and they're going to break reality. And Dr. Strange is going to have to come in. That's what I hope. Right. And then, so the other thing about Agnes and I don't know if, if you've, we've talked about it or if y'all talked about it, that she's the only one on the board that doesn't have an ID. Yeah, her and I think Dot, did Dottie have an ID as well? I believe so. Oh, Dottie had an ID. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. But you have to have everybody that you've had on the show thus far back for like a round table discussion, Shut like a post show brief, up. debrief. I love that idea so much. You're I'm 100%. No, no, thank you. Hi, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, casual do you want to be Wanda. creative director? <laughs> hey, casual Wanda, do you want to be creative director of Power of X-Men podcast? <laughs> Yay. Yay. Uh, thank you, guys. Guys, where can the folks at home find you and your podcast? Ooh, you can find us all over the internet at The Ex-Wife Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, theexwifepodcast.com. You can also find us on Patreon with the Ex-Wife Podcast. You can help support our podcast for just a couple bucks a month. And uh, you could also, that's it. Did I say our website? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, you said the website. Just find us on the internet. We're there. All right, guys. As (laughs) always, I'm the Uncanny Dayspring, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Mm